I'm Joy Morris, inviting you to listen to true stories of the Wild West, hosted by C.R. King, a production of R.K. Enterprises. Hello, everybody. C.R. King here. Today, we are going to talk about the Easterners versus the Slopers. Yes, I'm sure you have not heard that term before. We're going to hone in on Tombstone, Arizona. 1880 into 1881. We'll start with the Easterners. It was a loose term relating to Dodge City gamblers, a few of whom was recruited by Wyatt Earp when he took charge of the Oriental Gambling Concession on February 1st, 1881. Now, this name had nothing to do with the East Coast. The Slopers... It was a common term relating to mining on the Pacific Slope. In addition to the gamblers operating from the Rocky Mountains all the way back to the Pacific Ocean, the originally called the Pacific Slopers. They got started right after the gold rush of 1849. And their main thing was to go in, take over gambling concessions, and leave when they're broke, or as broke as they can get them. Well, actually, the Slopers, most of their activity was in Nevada, is what I should have said, even though they had that all territory. And in addition to that, there is a trail, if you will, a gambler's trail where they would go from town to town to town. These were mining towns. These were the big boom towns to gamble. Well... The Easterners started in Deadwood, but the Slopers ran them out of town. Again, and they wound up in Dodge City where they became stronger. Almost 30 years later, the two factions were both in Tombstone. Now, their relationship, well, if you want to call it that, was complicated because some of these guys knew each other. They knew each other for 30 years. They were friends. So many of, many of the Slopers, and I should say, yeah, did not want to get into battles with the Easterners. And they didn't. So the number of participants varied from time to time. Shotgun Collins was there. He was in the war. He was a friend of the Earps. And um, he spoke out years later. And and then he spoke of the war. And that's when it kind of hit the papers and the historians picked up on it. Well, this war, as they call it, its main aim in Tombstone this time was to obtain the Fargo banks. They No matter what saloon, who owned it, it didn't matter. The Sloper's object was to break the bank so they could bring their own money in and take over the tables and make a fortune. Of course, the Easterners were there first. They had the Fargo banks. Wyatt Earp had the one concession. We're not about to move over for these guys. Now, the Epitaph's first reference to any of this, to the gambling war of the 1880 portion, was due to a shootout in Allen, at Allen Street. It was actually on Allen Street at 7th Street. 
It was a clash with a man by the name of Deadwood Scotty. Well, Deadwood Scotty lost. What can I tell you? That was about their third clash through the years. So, that had happened because old Scotty decided to raise havoc on a couple of Fargo banks. Shotgun had an issue with that. The epithet referred to the factions in a metaphor as the king's forces versus the rebel forces. The rebels meaning slopers. Well, now, Tyler, Johnny Tyler was, well, he was the leader at first. But then a man by the name of Charlie Storms and his partner came into town. They arrived on February 25th, and they were the leaders, Charlie in particular. Their main aim was to intimidate Lou Rickenbaum. Lou was the owner of the Oriental Saloon. Now, these two guys were friends with Morgan Earp, and they told Johnny that they were not going to touch Morgan. They were not going to hurt Morgan. They were not going to intimidate Morgan because of their friendship. It's one of the reasons why there was a lot of complications because these men, like I said before, knew each other and a lot of them had respect for one another. Well, I mentioned also that Wyatt was asked to hire more more, uh, people to run the tables. And he did. The first man he hired was Morgan. Morgan was to be the security guard at the night shift. His brother Warren was hired. He would be the, the gambler that ran the table at the night shift. And he hired uh, many others, including some names that you probably never heard of, but Dick Clark, Napa Nick, Bat Masterson, Sylvester Comstock, and there were others. They had anywhere between 18 to 27 people running the banks. There were three banks at the Oriental. So, moving on. Like I said, Charlie came in. They had this thing to intimidate people. When he walked into the into the Oriental, so Rickenbaum sized up the situation, knowing that there was going to be trouble, and he walked into his office. Charlie Storm followed him. He was on his heels, on his heels, intimidating him. All the way to the office, inside the office, Rickenbaum said, that's it. He walks out the side door and goes outside. Charlie turns around. He goes back into the gambling room. Okay? Now, it so happens that both Wyatt Earp and his brother were there. Brother Morgan, that is. So they're eyewitnesses to what happened next. Luke, when Rick, the boss, left, Luke Short took over the table. Charlie came up, grabbed the money off the table, and walked out with it. That didn't sit well with Luke. So he went after it. He wanted his money back. Charlie said, take it. Guns were pulled, Charlie lost, dead before he hit the ground. Bad Masterson 
and Luke and Charlie's partner, Devin, were in the front talking. They were eyewitnesses, as well as their herbs. As it happens, Virgil Earp was then the Deputy United States Marshal. He arrested Luke and took him to jail. And by doing this, he actually saved the man's life from retaliation by other slopers. Charlie was the main man. There was no doubt about that of the group. He was not a spring chicken. He thought he could handle it. Luke was a short man. He was about five foot five, five foot six, somewhere in that range. But he was an excellent gambler. He was well respected. He was not to be dealt with. He took no guff. Charlie found out the hard way. Now, the gambler's war was not uncommon. But it was not talked about or reported. For Many of the pioneer papers consider this unsuitable for public consumption. Of course, the gamblers knew about it. They kept it private as they could. It was understood by all that only the participants would ever deal, talk about it or deal with it. But even sometimes, sometimes the public wasn't even aware that there was a war going on. For whoever won the war took a slice off the top of all profits of all gambling concerns of that town. Luke was engaged in at least three wars during his lifetime. Virgil, as well, was engaged in at least three of the wars. His first war was in 1875 in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Now, before I sign off, I want you guys to know that Council Bluff's name came from a site 20 miles to its north where members of the Lewis and Clark Expedition had sat in council with the Oto tribe on bluffs near the Missouri River. Also, I want to give a great thanks to my friend Kenny Vell. He is a friend and a fellow historian, and in my opinion, he is the best of the best when it comes to researching Western history. Thank you, Kenny. Well, everyone, that's it for now. I appreciate your time. I appreciate everything you, uh, 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 you know, listening. And just do me a favor and be safe. And I'll see you next week. Take care. Stay tuned for next week's tale.